What's up, Joe? Hey, man. Just uh, just doing the same thing I do all the time, you know? <laughs> Walking, eating, sleeping, talking, doing, you know, all of it. Yeah. Uh, but all good, you know? I mean, definitely summer is definitely here, that's for sure. Um, yep. Yeah, mangoes are all over the yard. Um, we got frogs all over the yard. Ooh, I should send my raccoons and peacocks over there to eat those frogs. We've got those too. Yeah. I mean, we, we got, got raccoons, whole... peacocks, possum, cats. Yeah, I haven't seen any possum. I've seen, you know, we've got lots of cats too. We've um, got one little possum that comes to my backyard to eat the cat's food that's left after the day. Comes late, late at night. I guess they're nocturnal, aren't they? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. But don't they have a pouch? The Aren't they pouchy ones too? Like yeah, yeah. And yeah. raccoons what have that? pouches, Marsupial. Right? Marsupial. Yeah. Marsupial. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he comes around. I feel bad for him. He looks a little sad all by himself. Yeah. Well, the scraps of the cats. Hey man, he's probably, he's probably sitting there going, man, this is easy living. <laughs> oh, we have a Fox here. too. Oh, yeah, that's what I was trying to think of. There was something else I was thinking running around. It is Fox, yeah. Yeah, we have a Fox. So, I mean, we don't have it. It just runs through the neighborhood, but, you know. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. People are sitting there at home picturing us. Like, people live in the city are, like, sitting there picturing us going, like, we live in some fucking, you know, wooded village in the middle of nowhere. It's wooded, but it's not in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's like... you, live in, you, you live in my favorite place in Miami. Well, I just feel like, you know, I mean, it's just hysterical because it's a one lane road and you kind of start going down this road and you're like, you could be in Costa Rica is the way it feels to me. Or, you know, any of the Caribbean or Central American or Colombian places. Um, but you're like less than a mile from, you know, walking distance to downtown Grove. Yeah. So you kind of feel and you're in the shade, which is something that's big. You, you like that in Miami, obviously. Um, but it's just so weird to me to feel like that you're somewhere else, but you're right in the middle of the city. Yeah, that's what's so cool about the Grove is it's beautiful. You're right next to the water. You have all these incredible restaurants. You have all this nightlife and activity. Your house, most people's homes, except for the condos in the center of the Grove, are wooded and palm trees and very tropical. And it's all grown in over, you know, years. 60 years or whatever. Um, you know, I used to live in a neighborhood over there that was across the street from an artist colony. And it was yeah. freaking amazing. So I lived in this beautiful, you know, tropical paradise looking place. And across the street were all these cottages with artists every weekend out playing music and painting and doing skull. I mean, it's a over by the tennis courts, that no, area, that little area of the Grove. Uh, no, it's down by uh, oh, what the hell was the name of the street I lived on? Is it by uh, Ransom in that area? Or yeah, it yeah, it's 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 yeah, down off Maine. About. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that um, little kind of village in there of those like maybe 10, 12 yeah, units. Like yeah. it was, uh, you know, 50, 80, 100 years ago when people like Fisher Island, let's say. Yep, yep. Which is, you know, Ritz, still a Ritz at this point. But, yeah. you know, they had like, you know, 10 cabins around it and that the family built there, the yep. Fisher family, which I think was Tires, maybe. I don't know. Um, well, that was Firestones. Yeah, they were something. But Carl Fisher, maybe he was just a big developer. But they build these family compounds, and then the city grows up around the compounds. Yeah. So what Brad's talking about is this really cool little, you know, bungalow area right across from Ransom, or right in that area by St. Jerome's Church, I think, or St. Yeah. Hughes, maybe. I can't remember um, the name of the church, but it is right next to a church. Yeah, and you got all kinds of hippies in there. 
Yeah. And so it was a hippie colony in the 60s. And you have some original Bahamian settlements here. Um, and then, of course, you have Super Lux. Yeah. Um, it's just a great place to live. You yeah. live. I want to get back there. I'm, I'm tired of the burbs, but kids are. In well, you know, I'm down in your neck of the woods a lot, too. And, um, you know, I was surprised. I was down taking my daughter to one of her friend's places down in Homestead. They have, you know, it's funny because Miami people buy vacation places in the Homestead area. You know, it's like 25 miles away. And um, so it's out in the, you know, in the brush, the bush, the Everglades, basically. Yeah. But I was coming back from there on maybe West Cutler Road or something. Old and Cutler I was, Road? Yeah, but the one when it goes way down and then it curves west toward Homestead, uh, way down there. Yeah. But I was surprised, you know, at the neighborhood. I guess it's the old Homestead base housing or something. Um, but, you know, it's just you have all kinds of people down there. And it's just it's very authentic. Below... Yep. Where you know how there's that Cutler Bay thing that goes out into the water area. There's a maybe it's Palmetto Bay or something, but it's gated and it goes toward the water like Gables Estates and all Color, those. Color K, that's where I live. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And so I drove right by there, and I'm like, of course, I stopped in that gas station down there, wheeling in, and then I realized that it wasn't that good of a neighborhood um, when they're selling beers out front, and ice buckets and things. And, <laughs> All the locals are standing out there right. drinking. We're you know. boring the shit out of people. <laughs> but anyhow, um, look, I, I mean, markets, I mean, I, I, I'm not seeing anything too troubling right now. Are no, you? we're just hovering around, bouncing around. Actually, I haven't looked at prices in the last two hours, so I need to do that. But uh, Bitcoin sitting at uh, 20,323, Ethereum at 1092. Ethereum seems to try to be pushing higher. Um, yeah. I, I loaded, I've been playing around with this crypto rank because there's some really cool data in here. Uh, and I wanted to look at DEX volume. So I've got this DEX uh, exchange, you know, crypto exchanges uh, sorted by 24-hour volume. I didn't realize this. Fucking Scoopy, Scoopy, Spooky Swap is half a billion in 24 hours, only second to, to Uniswap uh, V3, um, which I, I didn't realize Spooky had climbed to number two in the DEX category, which was kind of crazy to me. But what is that difference between like reported volume and adjusted volume? So they have, uh, I don't think I can switch it here. Let me go. I'll show you what, hold on. Let me do this. Let me go to Spooky. So Spooky reported uh, 24 hours. Oh, look at that. That's odd. 16.96 adjusted, 513 reported. Oh, yeah, that's unfortunate. Let's look back. Why don't they have that as a column? Oh, there's adjusted. Duh. Yeah. So adjusted. Oh, yeah. Spooky's not up there. <laughs> how okay. the fuck? How the hell? How? how what how? is that adjustment? Yeah. What the fuck? Oh, yeah, dude. We got to deal with those 480 million in bonuses we paid. So. <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> so I take it back. Spooky is not number two. I assume they have a methodology for uh, adjusted versus... Uh, reported I, I wonder wonder if they outline what that is uh anyway so i take it back pancake swap is hey. number two but even like uniswap is off by you know three three hundred fifty yeah. million pancake swap actually look at that Spot on yeah matches straight up uniswap v2 matches straight up radium that's solana trader joe is exactly matched same with radium Hmm. Now this yeah, is weird. Is. They have multiple sushis. Like they show sushi with all of the chains, and then they show individually for 
Polygon, Arbitrum. Oh, they break it out too. That's weird. Yeah. So what is the Polygon volume on Sushi? Three point four million. Yeah. Damn, that's quiet. Yeah. IDEX two point six three. We all know IDEX. Where's QuickSwap in here? <laughs> I love. Uh, look at the jurisdiction column, man. What? Like, look at the one to the right. Oh right yeah, right. yeah. It's like not everybody. Set. Not, not set. set. Not yeah. set. <laughs> yeah. There's US. There's Virgin Islands. IDEX is set in uh, US. Who's Virgin Islands? MDEX. Binance, Binance Dex is Hong Kong and Bancor is Switzerland. Yeah, I'd love to know why that adjusted versus. I think Florida. I got to believe they put it somewhere. Somewhere they they tell why they adjust it. Yeah, but that's good data. Oh, and they have a chart showing adjusted versus reported. But okay, they don't show the a DEX only. What's that saying there? Adjusted spot volume, top one. Oh, yeah. Adjusted Approximately volume. corresponds to the real trade volume in the same, taking into account website traffic, market depth, frequency, and size of transactions. Full details are available in our methodology. Where is your methodology? <laughs> Where would I find the methodology? Hmm. Anyway. Let's not get dragged down. Yeah. Uh, so interesting, though. But, you know, I just I keep coming back to this data in here because I, I just get lost and absorbed in all the shit that's available on here. Um, it's it's, it's kind your of, autistic side. It, that's it. It's my it's my uh, it's my hyper uh, hyper <laughs> hyper focus side. So anyway, um, <clears throat> I got a few news items to go through. Oh, what's going on? <clears throat> so, uh, well, we talked about this briefly, but. Uh, Sam Bankman Freed and uh, FTX are bailing out. They're officially bailing out BlockFi. We talked about the other day, but it looks like they're also going to bail out uh, Voyager. Hmm. I think it was Alameda. He's doing it through for Voyager, five hundred million and two hundred and fifty million from FTX to BlockFi. So he's spreading the love around, trying to save these some of these. Um, look, I, I think at the end of the day. We shouldn't. We don't need government bailouts. But if some, I guarantee you that this man is not doing this just out of the goodness of his heart for DeFi. He's also doing this because um, he's got an angle with these guys. Like he'll be first in line for acquisition or whatever it is. Yeah. You know, this is not uh, all uh, trying to be a good guy. It's not so, Mister Altruist. Yeah. Mr. I, Altruist. Look, I think he is an altruist to to some extent in a lot of things he does. But I also think that he's not going to put you know. 500 million of Alameda and 250 million of FTX money if there's not a catch. So, oh, yeah, no, I mean, even when Buffett bailed everything out in 08, 09, when yeah. he was slinging around 10 to 50 billion dollar slugs, if I'm not mistaken, fuck, he took big chunks. I mean, yeah. he bought 10% of Goldman Sachs. I mean, he showed up with all the money to save everybody's ass, but man, he wanted 10 to 20% of all those companies. Yeah. I mean, he cleaned house. I mean, after the Singaporeans and the GCC countries came in and bought the first dip, so waited to go again, and he did the rest. So Nexo is uh, moving into the roll-up business. Speaking of that, um, they are uh, doing something that you and I have talked about, um, and they are actively going to begin pursuing acquisitions uh, to uh, consolidate the market, which. I think it's actually a smart thing. You know, the question kind of becomes in this decentralized world, 
what what are you acquiring right yeah. you know um and ultimately i think it has to be about acquiring existing volume and community if you're going to acquire something in the decentralized yeah. world if you're just buying crypto centralized crypto crypto businesses that's a different story but you can certainly add to your arsenal of, of offerings and tools when you acquire those centralized crypto businesses i have a feeling that's where they'll focus but um i definitely think that um, there is an opportunity here for de decentralized consolidation, DeFi consolidation in acquiring and rolling up uh, projects that are failing or struggling. Um, you know, and that is, I don't know if you do that through governance and, and votes and uh, people agree to, you know, hand over the reins and of the, of the multi-sig or whatever, or if it's you go in and acquire a shit ton of tokens that are cheap on the market and you get voting control and then you can do whatever you want with it. But I think we're going to see a lot, lot more of this happening uh, over the coming months. Well, remember all the consolidation at the end of .com, all the IT services companies that went broke, they formed up all these sort of roll up entities. Yep. Uh, I think Omnicom did one and a couple other ones, the advertising guys, and they just shoved it off. Sapient did a lot of roll, as did Razorfish. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it blew out all the common stockholders, of course. Um, but then stuff came out of that ashes. More, you know, more clients, better developers, um, better robust marketing teams. And that needs to happen here. Mm -hmm. Because do you really need like six liquidity pairs across six different, you know, DEXs? Or do you need one or two maybe? Right. You know, to <clears> me. <throat> and, and, and do you need this many? I mean, I remember last summer people were calling for the end of DEXs because there's just so many of them. I mean, how many do you really need? Um, so I think consolidation would be great. You know, if you got a bunch of small, like, you know, 6 million TVL exchanges, slam them all together, slam 10 together. Yeah, you could. Six, well, look, and you can bring together, customers. you can bring together all the parts, right? You can bring all the pieces together into one thing from multiple projects that have strong community, et cetera. Niblet says, let's create a project, mm -hmm. maybe like a tomb fork to accumulate wealth and snipe great projects with potential. Wow. I love it. Be yeah, I like idea. that too. You know, we always talk about this kind of stuff. Rollups are tough, though. They have to be designed right, or else they don't work. Well, having been having been part of a rollup, not the guy setting the strategy for the rollup, but you know, dot uh, com, we did a, a. I was part of a web hosting company rollup, an ASP mm -hmm. SaaS company rollup, and we, you know, the potential for that project was tremendous, but. I've told the story too many times, but the bottom line was, is nobody wanted to do the work of the integrations, right? They and laid off all the janitors. And yeah. That's they, why you're it, here today, right? Exactly. Exactly. That's a good bit. That's <laughs> no, look, I mean, after the IPO, everybody had their money. They didn't give a fuck, but right. we had 17 web hosting companies, which were a perfect, you know, thousands of clients became the third largest hosting company in the world. Um, a cloud company, dude. It's a cloud company. Yeah. A cloud company. And, it was a perfect target market for software as a service providers. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that there is some value, you know, if you, if a community has three, five, 7,000 people in it that are still holding and you can check the wallets and you can see what's out there, you know, there's an opportunity to build something and they're going to be people that have been holding for a long time that are pretty grateful that uh, somebody's actually going to do something with the, with the project instead of just let it die. So, I think there's an opportunity to consolidate a lot of community enthusiasm to get people on board, to create uh, synergies between like-minded projects. Anyway, uh, yeah, interesting. Very interesting. No, I think it makes sense. I mean, the thing with roll-ups, I think with yours, it was kind of interesting because you were actually 
not to oversimplify it, but it, it's like a hardware infrastructure roll up. It's it was. assets. Yeah. Where we were yeah. doing it with people like IT services people. And that's much harder because they don't have yeah. any assets. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. And everybody leaves. Yeah. Um, so you really have to be careful, you know, what you're getting um, in these. And I think that in this space, I find it pretty interesting. It's got a lot of tech. But like you said, you got all those communities. So like when I look at, you know, we we're half joking a couple of weeks ago about Jarvis and material indicators, you know, merging or something like that. And, and you know, you look at the communities, they got like 10,000, 11,000. You guys got like seven or eight. I mean, boom, there you go. 20,000 person community. So I think yeah. any of these projects, I'm not saying do it. I'm just saying that all these projects are like that. If you combine yeah. three groups doing similar things, all of a sudden you're usually tripling your community, more users. And, you know, more, you know, evangelical, what do you call it? Pe proselytizers of your tech and your vision and your, your dream. So, yeah, yeah, done right. This is great. This is a perfect time, too. Yeah. I'd like so, to see Ohm jump into more of this myself. I don't. I would, even... I would agree. I think a protocol yeah. like Ohm could do a lot with that. Yeah, totally yeah. agree. Totally agree. Olympus you still down. talk to them? You still talk to Zeus? Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, he's been, he's been buried. We've exchanged a couple of DMs back and forth because I'm trying to get him back on, but trying to get his attention is difficult right now. So no, I'm sure. Yeah. So strangely enough, <laughs> uh, you know, I get these alerts from hacker news about the top articles that are appearing and being reshared on, on hacker news. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, when we talk kind of the macroeconomic stuff, um, I ended up on this website called gcaptain.com, which is this big uh, shipping maritime website about shipping. Yeah. Right. <laughs> And this was one of the top articles on Hacker News in the last couple of days. And the article is called It's the, the End of the World is Just the Beginning um, is the name of a book. And it was this guy writing a book about it in the writing an article about it in the context of shipping. But evidently, a large amount of the book is, is related to shipping and maritime. And it talks about the fact that, you know, the author believes that there is uh, this guy Zihan is actually believes that um, deglobalization is what's going to drive everything downward, and that the United States Navy failing to protect shipping anymore and no longer being kind of the cops of the shipping lanes of the world, including for China and and Russia and everybody else, um, has has made everybody pull back and start protecting themselves and has left open. Uh, the, one of the most important factors of the economy shipping to um, to the dangers of just kind of the open waters. Um, anyway, fascinating article. I'm going to put a link in because I think a lot of people that listen to the show would enjoy kind of reading this. I actually went ahead and bought the audio version of his book. I'm going to listen to it on vacation, but um, um, fascinating theory. Like he goes through kind of like um, the changing world order theories are climate change, the rise of China and deglobalization. And this article summarizes a lot of his positions, makes a lot of strong points about um, deglobalization being a big cause of the changing world order. And, and you can see it, right? You can see it in the politics. You can see everyone becoming nationalized and uh, Trump was nationalist. Um, you know, it's happening in countries around the world. So fascinating article. I'll post it in the, in the, in the show notes because I think it's interesting to read about it. Niblet yeah. says... The box about the shipping container and how it made globalization and scale possible. Yeah, I think you've mentioned that to me before, Niblets. I can't, I can't remember, but I think you have. Um, 
Yeah, I think you've mentioned to me that I should read it, and I don't think I have yet. I probably have it sitting in my audiobook library. Yeah, I love the last paragraph after the whole spiel. The world needs wait needed, needed bigger ships. ships. That yeah. That provided economies of scale and needed to cut costs in other ways, including slow steaming, which significantly reduces fuel costs and carbon emissions, but lengthens the amount of time ships spend in hostile waters. U.S. naval protection eliminated hostilities, which enabled companies to slow steam an increasingly large amount of valuable cargo through historically dangerous waters. With naval protection, insurance companies could underwrite the risk at rock bottom prices. And they're saying that they insurance companies are no longer underwriting the risk because the U.S. isn't there patrolling the dangerous waters and that the U S Navy fleet is falling apart and is a total mess. Yeah. I think those last two things are big exaggerations by this person, but, but I do get the point. Um, you know, when you deglobalize, you just lose those efficiencies. I mean, well, but we see what happens, you know, it's all just in time inventory and that's, you see the supply chain issues that we've been dealing with for the last however long year. Um, trying to restart it to that level of efficiency and get it going. And it's just, you know, it takes years to get it yeah. like that. So yeah. that's a pretty interesting point. Yeah. So it says that China was the one nation that benefited the most from secure maritime trade and the freedom yep. of navigation of all merchant ships at American taxpayer expense. It also says that 95% of um, private insurance for shipping is, is written in the United States. Um, and it says that in the past that, you know, Americans didn't really realize how much we did actually protect shipping lanes and we were the primary source of protection in shipping lanes and that that's changed pretty dramatically since uh, Clinton, who wasn't interested in uh, uh, maritime. Anyway, fascinating stuff. Mm -hmm. I'll let everybody digest it themselves to read it and, and have their thoughts on it. The book is called The End of the World is Just the Beginning, um, but it is uh, heavily related to that topic. I, I thought it was fascinating. I enjoyed reading the article. So, mm. um. I'm going for douchebag of the week. We're back to Michael Saylor. <laughs> My buddy. So Mr. Douche. I saw him at a restaurant once. So I was sitting there with my, well, I think it must've been one of my ex-wives and um, he was at a table like right below. And, and he's just so like, just sitting there waiting for everybody to come talk to him. Yeah. yeah. And he was like, looking at me and I just ignored him. You yeah. know, it's like with those guys, you just, cause I knew all the stories you know from everybody else that works with them day to day and it's just those kind of people i don't have a lot of patience for i usually end up telling them off somewhere yeah pretty pretty early in the relationship and that's well, what ends the relationship i'm looking forward to all the libertarian bitcoin maxis calling him out for being a dick for asking for regulation of the crypto space they won't oh they won't because they're hypocrites but the the and and sean i'm not talking about you i'm talking about you know full-blown hardcore libertarians uh, who oppose any government intervention. Uh, I'm really looking forward to them uh, calling out the douchebag of the week, Michael Saylor, unless you have somebody better for that role to this week. Me? No. Yeah. No, okay, cool. I don't think it's early. It's early in the week, right? Thursday? No, it's Thursday, dude. All right. <laughs> yeah, I got douchebag of the week. I'm looking at him. <laughs> <laughs> No, Michael Saylor, Michael Saylor, not you, Brad. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What do you mean? I wouldn't be teasing you. Yeah, yeah I never yeah. tease anybody. Come on, everybody knows that. Sean said it's just Twitter, dude. <laughs> it's yeah, true. Like it's true. The libertarian maxis are on Twitter, hardcore. But uh, this guy's a dick. I'm just so over him. Just, well, uh, I told you some of the stories, and I hope I'm not breaching any confidences here. But there was, let's say, an investment house that you know they were all. He would have these parties down in St. Bart's 
And so that all the bankers would go down and they'd be on a yacht. I don't think he owned the yacht. I think it was a rental. Alexa, drop and, it um, on Zach. What? Okay. Oh, sorry. sorry about that. No, that's cool. And, you know, they joked. They were joking to us. There's like, they're all like drawing straws to see who's going to throw them off the boat, you know, after two days because you couldn't bear the conversation anymore. <laughs> you know, so he's friggin' got an ego that's just out of this world, obviously, um, where he used to in particular when he was younger, as most do. But, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm not a big fan of people that are like, I feel like are hustlers, but at the same time, he has bought a lot of BTC. Yeah. And he was key in there when he and Musk tag team on this stuff. I mean, um, you know, stuff moves. Excitement yep. happens. Absolutely. But when you lose credibility and you're one of the big, you know, uh, proponents of something or promoting it, um, and people start really getting what that it's maybe not as um, unbiased as you sort of like to say. You know, I mean, when people say crypto a million, there's two types. There's people that want to make money and there's two types. There's people that want adoption, yep. you know? And so like, I would say a lot of people don't, some of the people don't care about the money, right? You know, they just care about that. It, it succeeds. Yep. Um, others are much more monetarily incentivized. I mean, I, I'm monetarily incentivized. I think that sailor is more monetarily incentivized than philosophically. Yeah. Um, I think he's full of shit. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's full of shit. He's just full of shit. Um, he saw he saw a way to save his com company that wasn't doing shit and 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 galvanize the community of Bitcoiners around him and get people engaged. And he saw the bull market and you know, but also well, everybody that's equities and doesn't know anything about crypto or Bitcoin could buy MicroStrategy stock and basically yeah, get yeah, Bitcoin try to ride it. And he got Blackstone convinced that it was the way to go. Yep. And so they went off and did it. And you now we'll see how it turns out. I, I think he's going to be okay myself. I mean, I don't, even if it hits the 13 or 12, I still think it's coming back hard after that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Not me too. Just, you know, shore up your cash, be ready. Galaxy Digital is, uh, I don't know if it's a subsidiary or they just invested in them, but uh, uh, there's a new uh, solar powered uh, Bitcoin miner operation launching in Colorado. Um, and they're going to be hosting Galaxy Digital Miners uh, in their data center. But I just love seeing that, like, you know, because that's kind of the point we always make is that, yes, Bitcoin uses a lot of energy, but there are a lot of people. The incentives are save money. Right. So the incentives are to create to have new ways and, and renewable ways to mine Bitcoin, because the less it costs you in electricity, the more friggin money you make. Right. Yeah. And so I love seeing this shit. It's um, 75,000 square foot center will run S19 Bitcoin mining machines. Um, I'm just I'm really happy to see it. And I didn't realize well, it, but it's ACDC Aspen Creek Digital Corporation. That's even better. Yeah. No, I remember um, looking at a deal a couple of years ago out in Colorado for mining. And there's actually people that are back then and i'm sure they're still doing it but they're putting the mines in old mines so underground yeah, yeah. and they were using geothermal or something to power it or solar or wind and basically when you have this stuff underground you don't have to get all the um you know um uh, air conditioning technology to keep it cool right it stays cooler on its own um so there's a lot going on out there in colorado yeah and i like seeing this i like the miners being in the u.s 
myself. Me too. And look, I, I like the miners driving re- use of renewable energy because yeah. of the incentives, which is the argument I, I make to people all the time that bring up fucking climate and Bitcoin mining. It's like, if there's a profit motivation, you're going to get to renewables and you're going to get to uh, less power, you know, grid power usage and less fossil fuel usage because these people have an incentive to save money. It's like, it just, it makes sense. I'm big on aligning incentives. Well, yeah, market dynamics. I mean, why not? Everybody shows up when you can make money. So uh, after Polygon announced the carbon neutrality push yesterday, they were up 20%. Where are they? Uh, I think they're at 54. I think I saw that earlier. 48.56 just a minute ago. Hold on. Let me see. 4862 uh, in 24 hours, up about 16%. Um, yeah. And evidently, there's a, a whale accumulation going on with Matic right now. So uh, up around 22% on the day, 25% on the week. Down from its price at the start of the month, however, it traded at 0. 0.6 when it traded at 0. 0.66. Uh, dropped substantially from the highs of $2.92. Didn't that hit like 20 cents at one point? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Did it get there? I don't, 32.4. Okay. Well, that's seven days. Hold on. No, that might be the bottom right there. 32.4 looks like the bottom. Okay. Yeah. But still, yeah. I mean, look, when we first started looking at Matic, it was three cents, if I remember right. Um, That's been very good to me. Holders with 10,000 to 10 million Matic have collectively added 8.7% more to their holdings over the past six weeks. Yeah, that seems like a uh, opportunity to, you know, something's going to happen there. Yep, totally agree. Totally agree. So good news for for Matic fans. uh, It's great to see. The NHL is joining the NFL and setting up an NFT marketplace for hockey collectibles. So uh, they've tapped Sweet, which I guess is an NFT platform. Uh, to build it for them. But again, anything we see adoption in, I'm happy to see. So go NHL. Gamified NFTs. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, remember October, um, it's going live. Who was that one that was around big? Chili's. Chili's, whatever, that had, they were doing all the European Cup, uh, the football squads in Europe, NFTs. That thing blew up for a while. Um, yeah. Anybody doing sports and nfts it's going to be okay because if you think about it think about all the content you can put around these player yeah. cards, basically well listen and to this so a- they're they're making it so it's gamified so they'll be questing and collecting features right so hmm. fans have to go find it but then this is cool and they'll be rewarded with other perks but this is cool some of the nfts will also be dynamic and change over time depending on a player's performance NFTs also will be cinematic game highlights from past yeah. and present NFL seasons. So it sounds like they're doing it right. Like they're going to build this out as really utilizing the full power of what's possible with, with NFTs. Well, and even with that first thing, the player's performance, that that's probably going to feed into the different fantasy games. Sure. That makes days. sense. Yeah. Make them rewards in game and that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Well, there's yeah. Very cool. Top shot. Top shot NFL with play and own nft game and mlb with upcoming nft games so they're all doing nft games they're all going to gamify them definitely makes total sense yeah so this is a little bit disturbing uh coinbase based on new regulations in netherlands is going to start requiring you if you're if you're in the netherlands obviously hopefully this is not a series of steps that are going to occur but again it's back to what centralized you know exchanges the issues are 
they're going to start requiring KYC information for the person you're sending it to. So if you're sending off wallet, right now, the easy circumvention of that is send it off the exchange to your own wallet and then send it to whomever you're sending to and you don't have to disclose it. But how many people using Coinbase are gonna be that knowledgeable enough to think through doing that or even have you know, a MetaMask wallet set up or something else, right? Yeah. Um, so you know, this is kind of the stuff that we were talking about last year, um, this idea that somehow regulators thought they could regulate uh, non-custodial wallets, right. right? And require proof of who you've sent it to when half the time you're sending it to a fucking smart contract um but you know this is the first this is the first step in in that in that i guess the netherlands are requiring it now so anyway yeah well i mean who the hell would send anything out of coinbase i mean look i don't i haven't i only off ramp basically yeah and through there that's it but, i don't ever buy anything i mean i sell stuff there of course sure off ramping but you know to okay, so now, now that you if you're in that Coinbase wallet and now they're starting to want to know who you send shit to, I mean, that's pretty onerous. Well, and also yesterday Coinbase announced they're shutting down Coinbase Pro. Oh, um, yeah, and they're moving the functionality into the regular Coinbase platform. But people were freaking out because, look, Coinbase, Coinbase Pro is already 4x what you pay on other exchanges like Binance US. And the regular Coinbase is the biggest grift in the crypto world of newbies, right? Coinbase was the place everybody came on, but they not only charge fees, they also charge money on the spread between the real yeah. price and what they want you to pay for it, right? So they're basically fucking everybody coming in and everybody getting out and everybody using it as an on-ramp. Um, and they know that's all they are as an on-ramp anymore. Uh, so uh, William Legate, who's actually pretty famous, uh, He's he's saying he's never going to use Coinbase Pro again if the discounted rates aren't included in the new unified trading interface. Not going to get ripped off paying retail trading fees. I said, dude, you're already getting ripped off on Coinbase Pro. Move over to Binance US and stop getting screwed because it's like point one. Binance US is is slightly higher than Binance.com, but it's point one per transaction, point one percent per transaction. Whereas Coinbase is starts at point four. No, starts at 0.6% and drops to like 0.4. I think the lowest you can get is 0.15 fee. And that's at like 10 million plus transaction, 10 million USD transaction and greater. So anybody that's actually trading on fucking Coinbase Pro is already getting screwed. I, yeah, it's I, insane. I, I, I can't imagine anybody is, but evidently there are a few folks. Um, let's see what else I got. Yeah, I love those Maple, finance trading fees. Man. Maple Finance, which is uh, a, a lender that uh, everyone was pretty has been pretty excited about, and and uh, you know has loved the platform. There's a lot of big names in the space that love the platform. Uh, evidently, they are also impacted by Celsius and Three Arrows. Then warns lenders about insufficient cash in pools, um, and admits also. Oh no. Orthogonal trading is Babylon. Um, so anyway, looks like Maple may be in trouble as well. So um, it is what it is. 
1.5 billion in loans since it has started. I don't know if they disclose the exact amounts they're at risk for. Yeah, there's no specific announcements. So we'll see if Sam comes over to bail out uh, Maple as well. Yeah, now this is what's important for Sam is you don't bail out everything at this point. You bail yeah. out one or two and hold back because we don't want you going down too at this point. Back to fees. Sean said maybe trade on Max and Bitmex and get paid 0.01% maker fee and a 0.5 buck spread. Would love to, buddy, but we're not allowed to trade it there. Thank you very much for mm. rubbing that in, Sean. Yeah, the EU boys can do we that. We would love to get paid to trade. No <laughs> doubt about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. Sign me up, man. <laughs> but uh, we're not allowed to go to Bitmex. Uh, and they are pretty tight about their controls over that these days. Um, did I have anything else, Joe, or am I done for the day? Hey, everybody want to let you know, I am going on vacation on Monday and it's going to be a couple of weeks before we're back live. I will have episodes, new episodes of mission DeFi that I'll be broadcasting live uh, off the lunch show. But uh, if Joe wants to do it by himself, he's welcome to. I don't, I don't know if he does. I don't, I don't really have a lot to say by myself. I'm more like to feed off of, the dialogue. See, I tried to do one when you were out last time and I just had so much shit going on. I started like 10 minutes in and I was like, fuck this. I'm not doing it. I watched it. Don't worry. You did watch it? Yeah. I was just like, of course I watched any, it. It wasn't any fun, man. I wasn't prepared or anything. So yeah, I, need to, I was going to bust your chops about it, but I decided not to because it, yeah, I could, I could see you were stressed at the time. It was a rough day already rolling in and I was like, and then I'm like, what the fuck am I going to talk about? You know, I don't have any articles to feed up. And so then it's it's easy when you have somebody else to like laugh and, you know, trade barbs with and shit like that. But, yeah, you know, if you don't, you got to really do it like you do Mission DeFi show, which is a orchestrated. Um, <laughs> Nibbles you says you just had a vacay. When did I have a vacay, man? When did I have a vacay recently? No. Christmas. Maybe that's what he means. Maybe that's what he means. Yeah. No, I wait, wait. Didn't you um I haven't you been up in like else. Georgia recently? Was that Easter-ish time for spring break or what was that? Weren't no. you up at your parents' house in Georgia or something? No. He said when you soloed. No, I wasn't on vacation when Joe soloed, dude. I was working. I don't remember what the hell I was doing, but I was working. You were at the um the crypto. I was at permissionless. That's not a vacation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you were hanging out. That is not a vacation, dude. That's gold twice gold the work I do at home. Because I'm doing that work and this 20s. one. Yeah, yeah. Brad doesn't yeah, roll in with a roll of singles. He rolls in with a roll of 20s. <laughs> here's and a little more. Uh, here's a little more on the Nexo acquisition stuff. Uh, they've appointed Citibank to advise on acquisitions. So I'm pretty sure these are not cool. going to be DeFi acquisitions. These are going to be centralized crypto companies, uh, which, you know, part of them. I, I think it's smart. There's going to be a lot of people. Yeah, no. So Citibank says, yeah, sure, we'll advise you. And then they watch what they're doing completely. And if they pull it off and they do a good job, then Citibank says, I think we're going to roll you up <laughs> at that point. Yeah. So it's kind of like what Sailor did with MicroStrategy and buying BTC. You know, you get one of these big guys to back you that doesn't want the risk exposure or the failure exposure. And if you pull yeah. it off, great. Then you're, yeah. you're awesome. If you don't, well, who cares? Eamon says, day. yeah, it was super fun. Haha, ha, that's right. That's right. You, yeah, you we had a, I had a blast at Permissionless and made a lot of great connections and, and learned a lot. 
but uh, he did have the benefit of a week in the keys before. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Joe, that's all I've got. You know what? There was this one long thread. Uh, I don't want to get into it today, but maybe we'll talk about it tomorrow. We have, oh, guests tomorrow. Uh, the sure. team, the Anchor Liquid Staking team is Ooh. coming on to chat about uh, liquid staking and uh, all that's involved in that. I've been put dabbling, putting a little more here and there in, uh, shaving off some of my earnings on some of the pools I'm in, putting them in for more Phantom and a little Avalanche uh, for staking. I'm going to start setting up some Matic staking with them. Um, I wish there was a little more use of their derivative tokens out there in the DeFi world because I'd like to go like leverage those into some more gains on other protocols. There's not, which might be an opportunity for somebody, um, right, is to figure out a way to leverage those into some other earnings. But uh, their interface is dead friggin' simple. So anyway, they're going to come on tomorrow, talk about um, whatever's going on in the liquid staking world. So. Are they, um, have you looked, speaking of that, have you looked at the STE ratio at all lately? I have not. We could do that real quick. Anyway, yeah. there was this article, uh, this thread by Joe Weisenthal basically saying, you know, DeFi is used for nothing. Um, and a lot of people discussing back at him and saying, well, that's regulatory. We can't use it for anything right. yet, right? It's all financial, um, which was, what's his point? Let's see. Uh, USDD is at 97.44. So, so look. 78 to 21 ste 78% of the pool ETH 21% of the pool. So still lopsided. Yeah. I mean, I have noticed Celsius recovering, you know, price wise. I saw that like a buck 50 yesterday, I think. And didn't that get down to like 10 cents or something? So you know, anybody who came in then is just cleaned up, um, you know, which is kind of, I was surprised to see that, to be honest. And I'm also surprised to see USDD holding up. I wonder if, you know, that's. I thought it was still off peg. Well, 97.44. Yeah, it is off peg, yeah. but it's still, yeah. it hasn't like gone much below that. So um, it's not like collapsed, I guess is what I'm getting at. So you said the Celsius Celsius was bouncing back a little? Yeah, I saw it. The, in token? the token or the, is it a stock too? I don't know. If I, it's don't, a stock. I don't think it's a stock. Um, look it up here here it is on oh ftx let's look at ftx uh it's down so to i'm really talking about yeah it's giving it back now it looks 0. like 0.885 yeah i was looking at that slope right there to the left the purplish going up yep and this is 0. 0.27 it dropped to yeah so i don't know now what the point is but there was a nice little pop there it would have been something that would have probably fired your um you know um, i'm checking out. indicators indicator looking at it guess. right now let's load up some other levels yeah we would have had a that's a two and a half oh no there's also a three there uh so you would have had Six point three eight gain on that. Six point three eight percent or six point three eight x. Six point three eight percent. Yeah. No. So in how much percent? And that's like in two time? hours and forty three minutes. Perfect. Yeah. That was earlier today. Has More anybody? Of that. Have you More seen about any people the from the show over there messing around with material indicators? Do people go there from the show? Because this tool is a great tool. That's that's all I'm. Do oh uh, you know I don't. I, I, 
it's something I, I can't really track. I haven't noticed anybody coming in and saying they came from the show, but who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe. So we'll I think people it. should go look at this. That's the thing and start playing Appreciate with it. Is that. there like a demo free thing there that people can mess with? Uh, not really. We give a seven day money back guarantee. If oh you, yeah. Okay. If that's you don't good like enough. it. So that's good enough. Um, yeah, actually, I wish the fuck I've been trading Celsius for the last. I mean, there's enough margin on these take profits that even with slow Dex trades, it's good. But on FTX or yeah, that's uh, that's pretty interesting. There's so anytime nice anything gets in a lot of trouble, you know, that's when these indicators are going to fire because it's dropping. Yeah, because it's so, a new version. Right. So then I think particularly in these volatile times right now that, you know, running a tool on, say, anytime anybody gets in trouble, you know, might be useful. Because, again, when you buy this, you're not then hodling it and watching it go into no. the shitter. You're selling it. Yeah. You yeah. know, an hour, two, three, whatever in, no. five seconds in, whatever. Colossal failures are more difficult, right? Like, like yeah. you know, I mean, you're going to bleed out on those. But, uh, you know, ones that – Ones that have a chance to stay alive, uh, you got a good place here. I, I'm really you look at the volatility in like Matic and Phantom look and this groups like that. I mean, those are ones that are going to be around, and you could trade on those. There's some. There's damn Joe. Why'd you have to bring this up? Now I'm sorry, man. Now I'm kicking myself. All your potential vacation money. Shit. Yeah. Go. I just throw up the losses that you've done, and then. Uh... Damn. Yeah, it's pretty brutal looking, isn't it? I mean, in a fun way. No, there's the, the shit, 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 shit. Look at this one. I mean, these are all two and a half deviation signals right now, and three, which are minimal. Fifty-five percent in six hours and five minutes. Yeah. Maybe we should start running some of this on the show sometime for people. You know, yeah. and, and show it going and things. I think everybody would love to see this because you can pick your favorite one. Well, it has to have a pair on Binance US these days, right? No, no. I mean, you oh. could now it's look, it's anything that's on TradingView, anything to automate oh. it, to automate it. You, you want to have an uh, API into a into a exchange. But to use this, if you wanted to set audible alerts or you can you can set up your own webhooks. You could use this with any of the exchanges, the DEXs, Sushi, Trader Joe, whatever, Uniswap that are available on TradingView, right? Hmm. So it doesn't and have just to be manually do the exchange. exits and then manually. Yeah, do yeah. The exits. You can manually or you can programmatically connect it, right? Like okay. even this one that was high up on the range. Let's see if this one recovered. So this is some of the risk you have, right? So you got a signal. And even this one, after a further dump, like substantial dump, you were at four and a half percent after two hours and 38 minutes. But you could also set this up to just take the most extreme signals, right? And say you put it at a nine deviation and that's, you want to be safer. So you can do that as well. So, um, but I'm really, really kicking myself not trading this chart with MTF over the last, uh, let's see if this one recovered. There's risk in this, people, but you know, 1.98% in 31 minutes. Um, and that's actually how I typically trade with this. I keep it really conservative. But even then, there was some recovery there. But see, that one, if you were waiting for bigger profits on that particular signal, you're not there, right? You're down. So, um, but I also DCA these. So I'd get the signal here 
and then I'd take it again on this one and probably down here on this one. So then I once once it peaks up to here, I'm in nice profit. So anyway, yeah, thanks for the thanks for the shill there, Joe. Appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome, man. Just yeah. got me in. Hey TC, hey, 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 how's it going? Hey, buddy. All right, dude, I'm out. Yep. I'm done. Everybody, okay, thank I'm you. Done. We love you. We appreciate you. We'll be back tomorrow with the guest uh from oh. uh Anchor Anchor Liquid Staking. Quick. Quick question on Anchor. Are those guys doxxed? I think so. I think they're employees, team members. Yeah. Yeah, just shoot me some names later on today so we can check them out. Just yeah. What questions to ask. Okay. I'll I'll do that. Mm -hmm. uh, appreciate everybody listening and watching. Please rate and review us on po Apple Podcasts. It really helps. Also, subscribe on YouTube and click the little bell so you get alerts when we put out new episodes. Would love to have your comments and thoughts there on YouTube, on LinkedIn, on Twitch, wherever you like Twitter. Um, you can DM me, B05Crypto, on Twitter or Telegram, B05Crypto, pound 2143 on Discord. Uh, we love you all. We appreciate you. And uh, if you have any thoughts or ideas or feedback, don't hesitate to reach out. Joe, have a lovely yeah. afternoon. You too, buddy. And look, if anybody wants to use this tool, just message Brad direct. Yeah. Get you all set up. Yep. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, See all ya. right, buddy. Bye. Talk to you later. See everybody tomorrow. Bye. -bye. Bye.